describes himself to Moses. These are the words of God. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. The very first word that God uses to describe himself is compassionate. He is a God of compassion. Um, And the Hebrew word for compassion, and I know the pronunciation is going to be terrible, so I apologize, rachamim is from the the root word rahem, which is womb. And so this word compassion, we're supposed to, it's supposed to invoke this image to us of a mother's womb and the child within that womb. And the love that God has for his people is the intense love that a mother feels for her newborn child. And so the, that's, the, that's the emotion part of compassion, what we're supposed to think of is just this overwhelming love you have for your children, you kind of understand how that works, the overwhelming, inexplainable love that you have for your children, that nothing can, nothing can come between you. Um, but there's another aspect of God's compassion, because if you, if you go through the Old Testament and into the New Testament and look at the word compassion, most often it's used to describe God. Um, and when it is used to describe God, it, an action always follows. He's His people have turned away from him, but now they are crying out for his forgiveness, and his compassion moves him to forgiveness. His people are in exile. They're in slavery in Egypt, and they cry out for deliverance, and God has compassion, and his compassion moves him to send them a deliverer. And so there's, it's not just an emotion. There is a response. That emotion causes God to respond with action, and it should cause us to respond with action. Jesus tells us in Luke 6, um, verses 35 and 36, Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. We're called to compassion because the God whose image we are created in is compassionate. We are called to be compassionate to others because he is compassionate to us first. Um, and it's not, I think Stu said it earlier, it's not something you can will into existence, right? These are not things that we just, well, I'm going to buckle up and I'm going to be more compassionate because that's, that's just what I'm supposed to do. No, the reason that we can be compassionate is this first outpouring of God's love for us and through us to the world, right? He loved us first, and so we love others. Through the sacrifice that his son made, we are able to be connected to God, to be filled with his love, and let that love overflow out of us and into the world. Um, in First John, it talks about um, chapter 4, verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And so this idea of compassion is this idea that we are to take the amazing and abundant love of God that we have received and share that with our communities. Um, And so I want to take a look at a story from Acts chapter 3 this morning, and I think it is... um, an interesting picture of what local compassion can look like. So 
If you have your Bibles, you can pull it out. If you are using the digital version, there's a QR code you can scan and bring up all the notes. Um, But we'll be in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter looked, took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did... The man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witness of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Amen. There's a lot in this passage um, (laughs) and not enough time this morning to go into all of it. And so I'm going to focus on just a couple of things that I think are critical to how we approach this idea of local compassion. And the first is that compassion is first and foremost about seeing people, really seeing people. Um, You know, the first thing that happens, you know, Peter and John look intently at the man and they say, look at us. I think, I know know I'm not the only one, but my initial reaction a lot of the time when I encounter people in grocery store parking lots or, you know, on the side of the road by the freeway off-ramps is don't make eye contact, right? If I don't make eye contact, I can pretend they're not there and I don't have to engage Um, and, or I'm just busy with my kids running around in the parking lot trying to keep them from getting run over by a car, and it's, oh, no, sorry, I don't have any, I don't have any money, um, which is often true. I don't usually carry cash anymore, but my initial reaction tends to be dismissive. Don't engage, don't connect, and Peter and John had the opposite response. They, they looked at him intently, and it's amazing what changes when that happens. 
about two months ago, um, I was walking into the post office and there was a gentleman out front and he wasn't asking for money. He was actually asking, do you have any work that I can do? But my initial response was still, oh no, sorry, and just keep going, keep going. And as I was standing in line at the post office, because there's always a line at the post office, um, I was thinking about that and thought, gosh, that was rude. You know, he wasn't even asking me for money, and I was just like, no, no, leave me alone, don't bother me, I'm busy, I'm going about my day. And so on the way back out, I stopped, and Kaylee and I talked to him. And his name is Dean, and he was just looking for work. And I chatted with him for a few minutes, and I took his phone number. I said, well, if I hear of anybody needing help, I'll, I'll let them know. And nothing, nothing ever came of that, um, but that moment of engaging in conversation and just chatting with him a little bit about his day changed everything, because he wasn't... He wasn't a nuisance anymore. He was a human being, someone who was just looking for work to do. Um, and I think we really need to just take a moment and pause because when Peter and John looked at that beggar and he, they commanded him to look back, there's that moment of connection where it's a human being looking at another human being. The image, in God, image of God looking right back at the image of God. And when we see that, then we can no longer treat people like an interruption or a nuisance, right? When you sit down at the heart shelter and eat dinner across from someone and you hear their story and you connect with them and you chat about how their day was, suddenly they're not a problem to be solved or a charity case to be, you know, just handed money and said, well, here you go. They're a person and you connect with them and you bring them back into community and you enter into their community and suddenly, we have a whole community where everyone is seen and valued and loved as children of God. And I think that that, that's, that human com connection is what truly moves us to compassion, like the compassion that God has, because God sees us. God always sees us and loves us. And it, so we need to see other people and love them the way God loves them. And I think that brings me to my second point, which is that God's compassion is not like worldly compassion. You know, worldly compassion is probably the easy answer. Well, you know, here I'll donate to your cause and I'll get you into a drug rehab program, program and, you know, my job is done. The beggar asks Peter and John for money. And Peter says, I don't, I don't have any money, but what I have is infinitely greater than money. Be healed in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> that is amazing. And that's not to say that uh, the needs that people have aren't monetary or that we're not supposed to respond to the earthly needs of people. You know, in James 2, it's clear. It says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So we are, we are still called to meet the physical and immediate needs of people in front of us, but we can offer them so much more than that because we are followers of Jesus Christ and what God has to offer them is infinitely better than an economic solution. And I think that... The people at the temple were so surprised by what happened. And Peter responds, why are you so surprised? And I think we do that too. 
a miracle happens and we're shocked and astounded. Look what just happened. But Peter and John walked into that day expecting a miracle. He said, be healed. And he held out that hand and he expected that man to stand up off the ground because Jesus healed him. And I think we need to go into our encounters in this world expecting God to do miraculous things and expecting God to change people's lives because that is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to bring the kingdom of God to this world in every encounter that we have. And God's love and God's compassion heals people. He changes people's lives. And... I think we just need to have that attitude of expectation a little bit more. I know I don't, and I need to. Because our acts of compassion in our community are the things that bring glory to God and opportunities to share the gospel. Peter and John were just going to the temple to pray. They didn't have an agenda as far as we know. They're just going to the temple. We don't even know how many times they saw this beggar because he was there every day, and we have to assume that Peter and John were going to pray more than just this one time. And so they may have passed him multiple times and not seen him. But this one time, he call, the beggar calls out, they see him and they respond, and suddenly the atmosphere shifts. This crowd gathers, and Peter sees an opportunity, right? And he takes that opportunity to speak to the crowd. Um, someone pointed out on Tuesday night, to speak to the crowd some pretty harsh words. You guys killed the author of life. I mean, it <laughs> doesn't get much more intense than that. But, but it wasn't, it wasn't it, uh, a judgment, right? He says, the last verse that we read, verse 19, he says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. He's not doing it to condemn them. He's doing it to to preach the gospel to them, to say, you made a mistake, you did this in ignorance, but now that you know, repent and be forgiven and be welcomed into the love of God. We should never forget that people have physical needs, but their ultimate need is to have a relationship with the author of life. Their ultimate void in their life is, can only be filled with Jesus. It can't be filled with economic stability or release from addiction. Those may be steps along their path to coming to know Jesus. Those may be things that happen after Jesus comes into their life. But ultimately, what we need to do as followers of Jesus is share the love of God with people and say, this world is broken. This world sucks. There are things in this world that I can't fix, but God can fix them. The love of Jesus can fill you in the way that nothing else in this world can. And so we need to look for those opportunities. Peter and John weren't out on a mission trip, but they were living their lives in such a way that they were always on mission. They had walked to the temple that they did probably multiple times a day, became the mission field when they saw the opportunity that God put in front of them, and they stepped into that. God invited them into his saving work, and they said, yes, I want to be a part of that. So it doesn't, local compassion doesn't have to be, okay, well, I'm going to go and look for something to do, something that I can do to serve my community. Those things happen, and they're awesome. Things like the heart shelter, where it's just a one-time, we need people to come. Those are amazing. But we should also be living our everyday lives as if we are on mission, looking 
at the post office, at the Starbucks, at the grocery store, for those people that God is putting in front of us and asking us to see, see them and show them that God loves them and that he wants them to be filled with his Holy Spirit, to be filled with his love and to be reconciled to him. And the only way they can do that is if they know Jesus. And so just one, one last little thing. Uh, we learn in Acts 4 that because of this moment, the number of believers, number of followers of Jesus increased to 5,000. And back in chapter 2, it was 3,000. Like, I don't know if that number went all the way from 3,000 to 5,000 just from this one encounter, but the impact that you can have from simply speaking life into one person can be incredible. Oftentimes, it's the people who are watching and not the person receiving that are impacted the most by what happens when you engage with the Holy Spirit and when you give compassion and love to the people in front of you. And so as we wrap up the morning, I want to give you guys just some practical ideas for um, what can come next. And I'll invite the band to come on back on stage and we're going to sing another song in a minute. But I just want to encourage you to every morning try to shift your attitude to this idea of today I am on mission in my community. I am on mission to see who it is that God has put before me today to show them God's love and compassion. And so just practice that throughout your week, just shifting that mindset. We have to, we have to be willing to have our days interrupted, right? Jesus, the number of times Jesus was interrupted and the miracles that came from that, you know, he's walking to go heal someone. I can't remember if it was to heal them or bring them back from the dead, but he's walking and this woman touches his robe and is healed from her bleeding. God wasn't, he, Jesus wasn't expecting that and he stops his whole thing and all of his followers are like, come on, Jesus, we gotta go. And he just stops in the middle and says, who touched me and what happened? And he takes that moment to, to speak life to this woman and say, you know, your faith has healed you. And there's, there's numerous occasions. So we, we, we can't be afraid to be interrupted. We can't be so focused. And I know I'm personally super guilty of this. Got my to-do list, got my tasks, everything has its path and its order. And if I go off track, nothing's gonna get done. But we have to break that cycle and think, okay, it's okay to be interrupted. God's going to interrupt me today, and it's going to be amazing. And then the second thing I just want to encourage you, um, if you haven't brought up the version yet, the digital program, um, bring it up and scan the QR code and make sure that you save it, because at the bottom, um, I've linked to several of our local partners. Um, Stu mentioned them earlier when we were praying, but we've got Heart of Folsom, who at the end of January, beginning of February, the winter shelter is going to be right here in this building. And friends, it is an amazing opportunity to just sit down with some people and have some good conversations and really connect with the homeless in our community and learn more about their lives. And it's, it's changed my life, and I know it'll change yours. So if you, um, but if you click on that link, it's not just the, the um, winter shelter that Heart does. They have so many different programs for... Um, working with the homeless and assisting the homeless. And Powerhouse Ministries, um, they support people experiencing homelessness, but also people suffering from addiction or trying to um, get out of abusive situations. They have 
amazing opportunities there as well. Twin Lakes Food Bank who are doing incredible work to make sure that everyone in our community has food to eat and no one is going hungry. Um, and then Folsom's Hope, working with our at-risk youth um, after school and help making sure that they um, just get that additional help that they need. There are just some really great people doing really great things in our community. I'd just invite you to take a look at those, pray, and just see if God is calling you to engage with one of those awesome um, partners of ours in the ways that they are serving their community. But um, I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to sing one last song. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you for your compassion. We thank you that you are a God of compassion who just loves us and forgives us and encourages us daily to draw closer to you. Father, I pray that we would be reflections of your compassion on our community, that we would live our lives on mission to make sure that everyone we encounter knows that you love them and we love them and that they are a precious child of God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.